0: What is going on, everybody out there? Welcome to the IGN All-Star Community Podcast, the number one IGN community podcast on the internet. I'm one of your hosts, the epic Jake James Lugo. With me, I have my compatriots, Mr. Peter Lopez and Mr. David Quigley. Gentlemen, what is going on? Hello. <laughs> yeah, Y'all are tired. Jesus. Somebody get this man over here, an extra bold cup of coffee. Somebody get David a shot of adrenaline, or at least get him oh, another match of nice. rock <laughs> Another match of Rocket League or something, because y'all sound bad
1: tired. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's just been one of those weeks, dude. It's just been uh, very crazy. But thank God it's Friday, so, you know.
0: Thank God it's Friday, indeed. It's all Friday. It's all perfectly legal that it's Friday. But even so, we got some stuff to talk about, okay? So we're going to kick it off with David this week. Okay, David, what do you got for us this week? What's going on?
2: Well, I hope you guys got some money to burn, because I have good news assassin's creed movie tickets are available for pre-order and you can get one for just twelve hundred dollars
0: <laughs> i heard about this if this, was hilarious. this. I saw this is hilarious
2: this is amazing now you have to act fast because there's only 20 available and uh, as of the time of recording there's only 18 available so two people have jumped on board with the twelve hundred dollar movie ticket uh now this is to keep in mind, i you one of them. Was Michael Fassbender <laughs> is a a movie that we know very little about. We know who's in it. There's a couple pictures. No trailer. Uh, we haven't really seen much of anything. But they are willing to let you drop $1,200 on a Spanish crossbow replica from the movie that they say is used in a key scene. Um, this is. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I thought we could talk about it. I don't know if you have any other uh, example of this. Uh, I know the, the pre-sale movie ticket industry is really gone into overdrive the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. uh, now they're starting to bundle merch in with this. And I wonder if, this, if you think this is a crazy outlier, or is this a sign of things to come?
1: I think it's nice that they're giving people thing. things, um, but it's just a lot of money regardless, so I would opt out of it. <laughs> um, I think it's
0: just one thing. Honestly, um, I just Wars. think of, like, if this one's, like, crazy.
1: Well, yeah, because a lot of people were selling their Star Wars tickets for, like, buku bucks, weren't they? Like, I know um,
0: Probably
1: the first a lot show. of people
0: yeah. were Yeah, the first show. To a degree, but it wasn't like how this is. Like, this is actually coming from the company. This is coming from the studio trying to offer something to people or whatnot. And I really think that one of those people was Michael Fassbender that pre-ordered that ticket. And I'm just saying, like, that, that, that's like insane money unless you're, like, really diehard Assassin's Creed fan or someone that just loves the movie industry or wants to be part of it like that to make that big splash. Like, I, I could think, like, a celebrity going out to do something like that. Like, I don't see, like, a normal person dropping right. $1,200 dollars pre Hyped up for Assassin's Creed, let alone any movie. I mean, I'm looking forward to this.
2: Maybe outside Star Wars, <laughs> you know, not $1,200 exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that's big money. To it's be fair, uh, there are more reasonable things on here, but you know, the the big headline is $1,200 for a single movie ticket. Like they can't even give you two tickets for $1,200. Uh-huh. You know, uh, the other thing I like is you know because it's kind of structured. Uh, the website, if you want to check it out, is kernel.com like a popcorn kernel, not, like, Sanders. and um, <laughs> Popcorn kernel. <laughs> so it's kind of structured like a Kickstarter Patreon-type deal where it's, you know, you get this stuff, and then as you pay more, you get more things. But I found it funny that, like, they don't even throw in the temporary tattoos with the $1,200 ticket or... <laughs> temporary tattoos yeah so the $15 the lowest one you get temporary tattoos and a super cheap looking watch which you know at $15 I mean there's places where that's not highly unreasonable um, depending on what a movie ticket would normally cost $25 with a t-shirt that's probably fine if you were going to see the movie anyway and you like the design of the shirt Uh, but then you know $120 for a hoodie an official hoodie though so, you know, no knockoff there. Or six hundred dollars for a scale statue of Fastbender's uh historical character. I don't know. It's weird. Um I mean, I think this is the kind of thing that makes people the the, the people that hate Assassin's Creed and are you know, Ubisoft is terrible and ruining games and now they're now it look I know, I don't know how much Ubisoft has to do with this, you know, it could be you know, I don't know what the deal is with this company. But obviously they're on board in some capacity and I don't think the optics of uh this even though it's only for like the uh the super fans with an overabundance of expendable income, it's still it doesn't look good to the average person. They're like, oh yeah, we're just squeezing as much money as we can out of this before we even show you anything about the movie.
1: Yeah, I could see this kind of thing working if they were launching a movie, uh, let's say the Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, because people will totally spend fifteen or twelve hundred dollars on a movie ticket just to see the new Star Wars or Lord of the Rings film. But uh, Assassin's Creed—that's that, a video game. It's completely different. Uh, so that being said, I would have to say it's along the lines of you know the Super Mario Brothers movie oh or God, or Come like on. Double Dragons that's or something. Mean. Well, I'm I'm just saying in general, like I remain yeah. Outside of history, you know? yeah, you're right. Yeah, video video game movies don't really have a great track record. Um no. well, we shall see. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I'm in, I'm certainly interested in it, but I'm not like twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars interested in it. No, no, um, not another. I don't know if I asked or if you had if you had touched on this, but is this like a pre-screening? No, or is this no. just like?
2: I mean, as far as I know, it's. Uh... You get a you get like a code to to go to this movie ticket website and then you can redeem it for whatever show you want. So it won't be an advance screening. Oh, so even even less valuable. Yeah. Jeez, I don't know what they're
1: trying to achieve.
2: Then you know, I think they're trying to achieve. uh, Hey, look at how much money this movie has sold before it even came out. Uh, I'm guessing. that they, you know, pre-order... I don't know if they can count a $1,200 Spanish Crossbow movie ticket as a $1,200 sale of movie tickets. I don't know how that works with the accounting. I know they're very creative with it. So the big thing to do now is to say, you know, like Star Wars broke the records for, you know, the most Mm -hmm. money before the movie even came out. So not that they're going to compete with that. And I still think it's insane that they're opening this movie like two weeks before the next Star Wars movie. But... I think yeah. that's, that's the plan is to say, look at all this money it's doing. And we have There's been a report that they've already uh, got, like, Fassbender signed on for a sequel. So hmm. we'll see. I mean, if they were selling props,
1: like if you got, like, you like know, Fassbender's, like, outfit or you got his, like, you know, bracelets or something to that effect, like, I could see how it could sell for so much money. But if it's just a movie ticket, like... You gotta be a baller to buy a twelve hundred (laughs) dollar movie ticket, you know? (laughs) Like Uh, no thank you I'm good with my like $15 regal price and even that's kind of high for me yeah, that's <laughs> cool.
0: high because you ain't getting that popcorn son you gotta get that extra $6 yeah, I <laughs> can And see, make sure it's a large
2: with refills too I could see a movie mm-hmm. with my wife for less than $15 here so <laughs> you know. true
0: true true but, but it's not Assassin's Creed though
2: No, I, well, I mean, <laughs> yes it would be <laughs> <laughs> I
0: eventually mean, true, true, true but, uh, but either right. way that's insane so with that being said I don't know I don't know. And then they just leave it at that. So let's move (laughs) on to Pete's topic. Pete, what do you got for us this week? Um,
1: yeah I don't, I don't know what made me think of this. Uh, I know I've asked random people on Twitter um, this question a number of times uh, for no reason, but I was working this week, and I was wondering if you guys were like let's say stranded on a deserted island, right and somehow you had an internet connection or somehow you had <laughs> like electricity uh, and you had the ability to play video games, what video game would you want to be stranded
2: on an island with? Yeah, so multiplayer works. Sure. In this theory, we don't we don't does, have multiplayer. Does multiplayer
0: an, in the internet count?
1: It doesn't matter if you can only play one video game on this right. island. Because
2: I I got a couple uh, theories here. I think you want something. <laughs> uh, in general, I mean, like something like Rocket League. You know, if if the servers are if the servers are populated, you know, you you want to play that. If you're stuck by yourself against the computer, that's not going to be your pick. But if the servers are populated, sure. Uh, But otherwise, in general, I think you need something... uh, I would go for either roguelike and or a level editor. So I'm thinking something like Necrodancer, Spelunky on the roguelike side, or a Mario Maker. Especially if if you can play levels other people have created. um, Then... you've you've got endless variety assuming you have other people that are also playing that as their only game forever Um, and then Starcraft you know it depends on your genre I guess but I think something with a level editor so you can not have to just do like speed runs and invent weird things for you to try to do to keep yourself entertained
0: Hmm. I would probably go with an MMO to be honest with you for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I feel those games are like super meaty overall and they're constantly ever-changing, you know, just the nature of the genre and nature of the actual type of game. But also, you'll be able to communicate with other players and be like, hey, listen, I'm stranded on an island. Come get me to somebody. And somehow, it'll get to somewhere and then you'll be <laughs> off that island. And, you, and then you could play whatever you want afterwards. Oh, but that's man. just me. <laughs> I'm just
1: saying. Um, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if, if that's what you guys want to play, I, I was just – for me, for example, I would play this video game called King of Dragons that launched on Super Nintendo in 1991. I could play that game forever. Uh, I don't know if you guys were like, you know, overthinking it. Uh, I was expecting to hear, for sure, Rocket League from David. It's the first thing uh, I said. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm saying I expected that. Um, Jake James, I, I would have thought I would have heard like a, you know, Metal Gear or Kingdom Hearts uh, from you.
2: I think a single player game is tough, though. If that's like, if you're talking like years and years of only the same, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely want multiplayer. Yeah,
1: but what if the servers go down?
2: If the servers go down, that's that's why. Yeah, that's (laughs) why I had to get qualifying questions here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's like if you get stranded, then you want you want Necrodancer or Spelunky. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but you could only pick one so it's like if someone picks Call of Duty Black Ops 3 it's got a pretty good multiplayer but the, if the servers go down you're left with just like a crappy campaign or true. single player zombie modes that's that's know. why
2: i would go roguelike <laughs> over rocket league in that case mm. but yeah that's why the, in this fantasy scenario we have to know if the if the multiplayer is guaranteed to exist perpetually or not mm because I'm not going to exist perpetually. So do the servers outlive me, or am I going to have to spend 20 years on an island playing three-on-three against the computer in Rocket Mm -hmm. League because we don't want that?
1: Like, the original Pokemon games would be be good, too, because you can get all eight of your badges, and you can play against the Elite Four. Uh, But, man, just trying to catch everything, and even if you're... You know, you EV training them. You and... only have
2: one game. <sighs> that's true. Dang, Good point. Garbage blue version.
0: And... <laughs> oh come on, son! Do not, do not mess the squirtle, I am. Don't no
2: start to... that again. Do
0: not. <laughs> okay, moving on from there before we have a riot over here. Okay, I'm going to have to move to my topic. Okay, My topic is about E3. Now, we love E3. E3's awesome. E3's cool. But E3 might be dying. Now, the reason why I say this is for a number of different reasons. Number one, not too long ago, I want to say about, a bit, maybe about a couple weeks at this point, give or take, uh, Activision and EA announced that they won't have any booths at uh, E3 this year. They're not going to have those giant booths that we normally are kind of, you know, accustomed to in the E3, I believe it's the South, not the South Hall, though, the West Hall, I think it is, where all the third parties are at. Now, recently... A couple more people have just announced that they're dropping out of E3, that they're not going to have booths there. They may have other events going on outside of the event, you know, in other places in L.A. Or maybe at other points of the year and such. That was Disney Interactive or just basically Walt Disney Studios. And uh, Wargaming. They announced that they won't be at E3 now. So I want to ask you guys, is E3 dying? Or at least, you know, do you feel like, you know, within the next couple of years, E3 is going to be a totally different type of show? And why would that be the case? I don't. I don't know if
1: E3 is dying. I certainly want it to be different. And I know this is going to be, I know this is going to sound selfish, but I would prefer E3 not to be open to the public. Um, at least um, not like like not at least like consecutively like it's a sunday
0: through saturday show or friday show um, uh, not exactly it used to be monday through i believe is to the end of the week but now it's okay. changed because of the, the the press conferences from like bethesda and like. Oh, yeah. but i mean like if they had if they just had one day
1: for just like you know the enthusiasts or people who aren't press, i would be okay with that but i just feel like I mean, no disrespect to them, but, you know, the the people who aren't press, they just consume lines and it just makes it even more crowded and it makes harder to actually do our job when we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I totally respect them for going out, um, but it's just it's just difficult for us uh, from the press point. Um, as far as E3 dying, it's it sounds like it kind of is um, just because a lot of publishers are pulling out just like you said, Activision took out, uh, took off. Um, and a couple of others uh, announced that they were taking off as well. It's, it, it, I wonder, I'm very curious to see what it's going to be like this year with a lot of big people gone. Um, you know, I know Nintendo still has like a space, but as far as like conferences, they've dropped out of that game a very long time ago, well, a few years ago. And, it, and I would have to say I would prefer the Nintendo Directs over the um, presentation that they would have or the conferences um but i don't know i mean it, it does sound like e3 is dying it's it's a very crowded place um it's a very smelly place because obviously people don't know how to use deodorant or cologne it's
0: not that bad it's not Diego, it, bro. it's bad it's dude, real
1: for a second, dude i stood in a line for like maybe two hours to play Star Fox, and i stood next to i was boxed in dude with like two guys who like anecdotal. stunk
0: well, very well, bad well then I must have been because well, I, I know exactly what you're talking about I must have been in the section where everybody was wearing <laughs> cologne and perfume I'm you, it was not that bad it was not it, it was, was not bad. that bad
1: I'm just saying I'm just saying if they don't check your bags when you go in
0: put some like axe or some cologne in your bag yourself, and just well, basically like, clean yourself up for god's sakes people but but I totally understand where you're coming from though the reason why I say that though and the reason why I feel like it is dying and, and a couple other people on the net and stuff seem to be saying you know s- similar stuff is because I think that the publishers or at least the bigger ones that are able to maintain themselves and have like all these other events and such are able to realize that now they don't need the press technically to actually communicate their messaging about their games like they could just go directly to the people and actually put the games in people's hands to allow them to play directly rather than come to us as the press now good or bad thing it's a matter of perspective and such what i think is going to get really bad though for e3 as an event you know whether they decide to open up to the public or not and stuff what i think is really going to get bad is when the big three like microsoft sony and nintendo realize almost something similar because they're already starting it like xbox has fan fest which i believe is that sunday and monday you know around uh, sometime before and after the microsoft press conference and i know that uh PlayStation or Sony has PlayStation experience later on in the year and such, and Nintendo doesn't really have their own yet at the current moment. But as soon as it actually that starts to get a lot more attention and a lot more kind of like you know momentum behind it, you're going to hear one of the big three leave the show, and I think that's when the event's going to be truly doomed.
2: I mean, I think it's more like I think you're right that these companies want to control the messaging more than just. Uh, Having everybody focused on them because then they're locked in and they have to be ready at this certain week in June, you know, when they can just hold their own conference whenever they want during the year and get just as much attention. Um, but I don't think E3 is dying. I think if you look back historically, it kind of grows and shrinks through the years. And I think given all this, it's definitely on the downturn. I think it'll turn around at some point. It'll get smaller for a few years. Maybe it'll move to a smaller location again, like it has in the past, and then it'll come back and blow up and get bigger and bigger. Once once it gets small enough, then somebody's gonna move in and try to blow it up so they can make their big splash there. You know, I think it's just an up and flow thing.
0: I, I I agree, but also keep this in mind too, guys. You know, I, I think this is a very valid point that uh. Going to E3 and having a booth there, being able to have a press conference there, you know, with the big three or any of the big publishers out there that did so within the last few years, that's a big expense. And I think that. A lot of the publishers could save a lot of money you know for a variety of different reasons by not going to e three by maybe attending one of their own events that they host, like a PlayStation experience like a fan fest, like one of those call of duty Activision events of which they have they can not only save a boatload of money but also again, like you said, control that messaging, go directly to the consumers and get those people that are hyped up that are die hard, whatever the brand is or whatever the game is at the time, instead of again going to the press and stuff where again they they have to kind of cater not cater but you know put their best foot forward as opposed to putting what exactly they want to put forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you're right, too. Like, if the big three all drop out, I mean, then the show's pretty much done, you know? Like, as me, I'm the only person here that hasn't actually been to E3, and for me, like, I can check everything out when it's done. Like, the only big attention thing for me in the first place is the Sony conference, the Microsoft conference, and if Nintendo actually had one, which I think they do this year, but they have not the last few, that would be another one. Um, but, you know, I, and I'll check out, like, EA or Ubisoft or whatever, but, you know, that's all, like, the pre-show, really, those conferences. Like, the actual E3 floor is all after that, and, you know, I think Pete's right, like, having, when it's supposed to be, like, this is your thing to get your word out, and then you have however many thousands of just random people there that aren't press. I don't think that does anybody any benefit. It helps the few people that are paying to go to the show as an enthusiast. You know, they can have fun, but if the idea is this is the international gathering of press and all the publishers need to be here because you're getting your message out, well, you're not getting your message out as effectively as you could be if you're having to do individual demos with just random people so you know i think it'll shrink down for a bit and i i will, here's what i would expect it'll get smaller for a couple years they'll go back to a mostly press only thing and then it'll slowly ramp its way back up and blow up again
1: Man, I, you know thinking about it now i don't really even think the big three would drop out anytime soon like nice. we're in 2016 i mean i would say maybe 15 from 15 years from now maybe but even then would would e3 even be what it is today or you know yeah today um because when you think about it like nintendo had a huge presence at e3 like it was huge. As did um, Microsoft and Sony. And so, could you imagine? I mean, it's kind of hard for you, David, because, like you said, you weren't there last year. But Jake James, you were. I mean, could you imagine how empty the E3 show floor would be if the top three, you know, did leave? You would have like, you know, like you said, David, you'd have Ubisoft, you'd have Capcom, and a couple of other third parties there. But you, if if the big three drop out, I don't even think there would be an E3 because third party is so small and and second party is so small you wouldn't need a huge you know arena sized area to, yeah, to house they'd only do that's
2: not the but you know I think it would take Sony and Microsoft doing like a Nintendo Direct thing constantly it would be the only way they would even consider it you know, I, I think it's so expected that you're right. I, don't, I wouldn't expect any of the big three to just pull out 100% and just abandon E3. But I think if it did happen, you wouldn't have to worry about the open floor because then they would just go to a smaller venue. Here's my
0: thing is that I disagree with you guys a little bit. And the reason why I do so is because one PlayStation experience and that PlayStation experience had a huge, huge, huge blowout. With people that again, Sony fans or people that are just interested in Sony's <coughs> games and stuff or whatnot, and also like I like I said before and like we mentioned already, you know that just allows Sony to be the kind of like center of attention for something like that. And again, I see Xbox Fan Fest almost being like the same thing. If not, eventually they're going to host another Xbox event, you know, in another place, another time of the year outside of E3. These companies could actually get more of what they want specifically. And, and having the center of attention on them, being not being at E3 and being at their own event and stuff, because when you really boil it down, right? And and even then, I still feel like when we go again this year, uh, E3 is going to be empty because of, like, a lot of these big publishers not being there. You're going to see this wide open space, and they'll try to fill it up and stuff. And I think that, again, they're going to be a little bit more open to more people coming in to, the, to, to E3, you know, not as press and stuff, which I think is going to be a terrible idea, like you said. It, it, it's just that I feel like the, the those publishers, are even, especially the big three, gain more by not being there than actually being there. I mean, they obviously every single year they make a big splash, they host their press conference, they have the big booth there with all their games on showcase. They even have the after events outside of the show floor, and that's fine and dandy. but again, I really go back to one, the money, to the expense to actually do all that stuff, to the mind share, because when an event goes down, I'm pretty sure that PlayStation or Microsoft or Nintendo would rather have all that mindshare and all that attention focused on them from their own event, rather than being at an event where all their competitors
2: are at and everybody's attention is a split between all three. I think the your point on PSX type stuff is not totally wrong, but I don't think they treat it the same way they treat E3. For me, E3 is all about the announcements, whether you know they're coming or not, but it's all about the announcements and the first year of PSX was pretty good, but last year's PXX, PSX, as far as announcements go, especially as far as the keynote goes, I thought it was bad, and not like average or okay, but it was actually I would say bad. So I don't think they can stop doing E3 and go to PSX unless they actually have things to announce there. As it is now, it's a fan gathering; it's just a convention of fans, which is fine for what it is, but I don't think. It, in its current form it's anywhere near a replacement for E3
0: I don't think it's a replacement but I think it's a much better kind of like use of their time and their resources and and that's the thing I think again if you look at the last PSX that just happened they had not only did they have announcements but they had a huge turnout really, a ridiculous turnout. they
2: really turn. have that many announcements yeah they did no. they had that, that whole keynote yeah, they had did a keynote where it was garbage, and they didn't announce no, it.
0: Well, anything. here's the thing, and that's that has nothing to do with the event, though, and that was because of the thing that was going on with Kojima Konami, because I really believe that that announcement that came afterwards What's with the thing, Kojima though, Productions. That's not
2: worth an entire was That was, that was, their, mic that was their
0: mic drop. That uh, was their mic drop. Yeah, it, and it
2: would have been, but that wouldn't have made up for the nothingness that came for the hour before it. I watched that whole thing from beginning <laughs> to end and there was nothing interesting I, in it. I,
0: at that point, I, I disagree. I think they had plenty of good announcements. They had a lot of people like that were what? excited Can about
2: new names attention. Though?
0: Nothing happened uh, there. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff that they had there they had, the the that they there. they had all those things. They they showed They obviously had the Paragon right. stuff. You're they right. had all the stuff from Final Fantasy 7. I mean, they the had a ton of stuff the show.
2: story thing. That's right. That was the PSX where you have the Telltale style dialogue and that was it.
0: But regardless, though, okay, because you're, you're comparing, like, the type of, like, megatons that get dropped at E3 to the stuff that was shown at this last PSX, which I don't think is a fair comparison. What I'm saying is, though, is that the mindshare, the attention, and the focus is just solely on PlayStation at that point. At that – and in their eyes, I'm pretty sure that this is what they're thinking about, that, okay, if we go to E3, okay, we obviously get all our stuff on what we do. We, we show off our biggest announcements and stuff because it's a big show and whatnot. But instead, if we have this one show that's all us – there's no Microsoft, there's no Sony, there's no other third parties. If there are third parties, they're all doing stuff specifically for PlayStation, or they're making a big splash showing off the PlayStation brand. Why would we go to E3 if we could have all this other stuff, especially because for less money?
2: You want to sell to people other than the hardest of hardcore PlayStation fans, which are the ones that are really into PSX. That's, well, that's the anything, advantage though. that E3 has is the, it's <clears> the entire industry. If, I don't really that think that case.
1: matters, though, because yeah, exactly. I think people from like USA Today or the New York Times are also going to go to to, to PlayStation Experience as well. Exactly, so I think you – know. I, I, indeed they do. Um, I mean, believe it or not. Like
0: me. Well, here's the thing also. Keep this in mind. I think that also, you know, to, to, to Pete's point or whatnot, PlayStation Experience not only did have like a lot of attention on it and stuff, but also if those other third parties like EA – Activision, Disney and stuff. If they, they probably all know all this stuff for what we're talking about right now. Probably way in advance before any sure. of us did. The foresight to do so to make that type of decision not to be there and stuff. If it really mattered that much at least at this point in the game, they obviously wouldn't have never left E3. They my, stu-
2: my one hope for E3 is with all these people pulling out is they know that the NX is going to be so awesome that they'll be overshadowed and they're just <laughs> uh, that, that would be my hope in all of this. Is like, yeah, We don't even want to bother because this NX is gonna just take 100% of the eyeballs.
0: I don't think so. I think that if that was the case, don't so really that's, that's
2: my hope. If they really have faith in it, they would
0: be there and showing off games on NX or getting ready to show off announcements on games on NX. Well, they could be on the. That's uh, what
2: they would show on the floor. I'm pretty sure. They could be on the Nintendo stage, though, too, right?
0: they okay. could but again i think most of the nintendo stage is mostly nintendo first parties so a lot of the third party stuff that's on yeah. mo- all be, the though, platforms right? are. In their own they moves.
2: can't they can't come out with a new system and just only show first party you don't think
1: knowing nintendo though they don't have any like a great relationship right like now with that they've done
0: it in the past yeah but they've done it in the past but they don't but have the any third party
1: hmm. i don't know i i think if anything everybody should just get out of e3 Yeah, you know, I just came up with this right now, like just bouncing off of what Jake James had said about PSX, like, I don't think they even need E3 anymore. E3 used to be this place where you'd go for big announcements, but now you, you're still kind of getting those at other well, I mean, at other conventions. You Keep know?
0: this in mind too. The there's, here's another thing that we're not taking into account. We're not taking into account social media and the internet. And and that works a lot to an advantage of the publishers, or again, the big three or whatnot, when they go to their own events and stuff because they can make that big splash, they have that live stream. They might not get television time like what E3 usually gets, especially with the Spike TVs and the Esquire mm-hmm. Network or the G4 TVs and stuff, but there's a lot of more Momentum behind everybody paying attention to their one event and being excited and talking about their stuff on social media, and that's what I think. Not only I saw that with PSX and stuff, but I also saw that a little bit with Xbox Fan Fest during E3 when it was outside the event.
1: Uh, E3.
0: I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really weird time in June. That's going to be different than the last two that I've gone to. The, especially the last one that you went to, Pete. I think like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is changing, and I think over the next year or so, we're going to see some very big changes. And I wouldn't be surprised, like in a couple of years' time from now, either e3 either goes away or it changes so drastically that it's not what it used to be anymore. Like I, I'm with I think
1: you. It'll be the latter.
0: <laughs> I, I'm with you on the on the that sense awkward. that. That they should not invite extra people like what they had before. Like when they had all those extra people last year when we were there and stuff, that there was like a long lines, a bunch of people that were just open to the public and stuff. It not only makes our job more difficult and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think like, you know, it just makes the event a cluster. And like one of those things that I always thought about E3 is that, again, it's a very business-oriented event. It's not Comic-Con. It's not, it's not a CES It's not any one of those events where it really caters to those types of people. Again, just the the fans and the consumers and stuff, even though that's like the people that are the lifeblood of the industry and such. The E3 to me was always like, again, not only for investors, but also for media, but also for like that showcase to really just show off to everybody rather rather than just be so much of a hype train. You know what I mean? Even though it is a hype train in of itself. Right. so that that 's e three in a nutshell, or at least you know stuff that 's going on with e three again june 's going to be very interesting to see how everything turns out why not but we 're going to take a small break guys don 't go anywhere okay we 'll be right back after these like little messages and such we 'll come back right back with some trivia time okay don 't go anywhere guys be right back
1: hey folks Peter here from the ign all star community podcast. Thanks for listening. Do you like what you hear? If so, leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to leave us as many stars as you 'd like. Show feedback and comments are always welcome. And remember, if you'd like to be a part of the show, send your questions to allstarpod at hotmail.com. Or you can send us a tweet at allstarpod. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show.
0: All right, guys, we're back. So it's about time for some trivia. So this week it's my turn. Okay, we're going to do some Street Fighter trivia, you know, in celebration of Street Fighter 5 that came out not too long ago. We talked a little bit about Street Fighter 5, all of us, last, on a couple podcasts ago. So. Guys, are you ready for these hard, ridiculously challenging Street Fighter questions? I'm ready. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Pete's like, my body's... Like, nope, not at all. So, anyway, first question, it goes to this, okay? What is the name of the evil power used by Akuma and Ryu in the Street Fighter series? Now, bear with this, okay? The, the names are kind of Japanese, but that, these are their actual canonical names and stuff. Uh, it's either going to be A, Shinto Gohado... B, Satsui no Hado C, Shoryan Eppa, or D, Onsatsuken Nohado.
2: Um, sure, you can. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <all> it's <laughs> that's the one. Not, not a special move.
0: The the, the power, the evil power okay.
2: that those That's a move. <laughs> that's all I got. That in Sonic Boom. That's uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic, good Yoga Fire. Dude.
1: Oh man, I'll just say A. I'm not entirely uh, sure. I will say
2: B because I don't know.
0: Guess what, David? You're right.
2: Yes. Believe it.
0: Or not. You are absolutely right. It is actually Satsui Nohado, mm. which is the which is the actual uh, name of it. so, like, So now let's go. That goes one for Pete. I mean, one for David instead of Pete. He didn't get that one right there. (laughs) I'll I'll take it, though. (laughs) Take it. I'll take it. You'll allow this. You'll allow it to happen. Okay, so there we go. So next question, okay? Next question is this. Okay, this one is a little bit more about Street Fighter, you know, in relation to other like franchises, like those crossover games and stuff that they have with the Street Fighter series. So... What is the most requested crossover fighting game for fans of Street Fighter and 2D fighters that hasn't been given a new entry for years? Okay, so first one's gonna be first one is A. Capcom Fighting Evolution 2, B. Capcom vs. SNK 3, C. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3AE, or D. Blaze Blue vs. Street
2: Fighter. What is the uh, what's the metric on this? What defines most requested? This sounds well, question, like, like an opinion based question to me.
0: <laughs> no, it's not a <laughs> opinion. Yeah, <it laughs> but, you is. know, This is an actual legit thing, like, between these. And again, if you know
2: a lot, who's the statistical about- source on this? It's, it's I have, have sources on
0: this. Like forums. <laughs> forums, tweets. Lots tweets. <laughs> well,
2: alright. Marvel vs. Capcom just got a new game not that long ago. I don't know what AE means. What is AE? AE means Arcade okay. Edition. Nah, can't be that.
0: That's an Uh
2: Fighting Evolution Two. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, Blaze Blue versus Street Fighter. I don't know what Blaze Blue is. Oh my god, dude <laughs> So I guess by default, I have to go with the SNK one. B. Yeah. Oh, okay. Me too you're gonna be yep you're both right so look at that logic that's a k3 and the reason
0: why that is is because it has to do with not only some of this business stuff that's been going on with snk over the last like i want to say when was when was the last uh cvs2 that was like over 10 years ago at this point, i think <laughs> more than that dude more than like, that yeah it was on like x15 X- yeah yeah It was a while ago, but basically Capcom vs. SNK3 has been a really highly requested game. Ever since Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came out, like even before then, they never got a new entry in that. And then Capcom Fighting Evolution, just for for those that want to know, it was an actual Capcom mashup game that had like mashup of Darkstalkers, Street Fighter, uh, was it Ray Ray Earth or Red Earth? I believe it's called. A variety of different Capcom fighting games. Whole world of
2: games that I have never even heard of. That's
1: <laughs> you know, that, that game was actually pretty decent. I mean, you no, know, that okay. game was garbage. It was, it
0: was okay yeah. if you that took the time garbage. to
1: just play it. It was okay.
0: The premise was okay. The game was garbage. B. Let's be real for a second. <laughs> yeah. oh. Capcom, Capcom fans know what I'm talking about. Like the game was horribly unbalanced it, it used the same sprites from like copy and paste from specific games that just made it look horrible. It was it was crazy. But either way. Let's go to the next question, okay? This one is a Street Fighter-specific question. Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3, whatnot, okay? So, which of these fighters, or which of these characters, are not considered one of the four kings of Street Fighter, the four evil kings, okay? A, Claw, B, Balrog, C, Vega, okay, or D, Birdie?
2: Well, oh, in my mind here, you tell me there's a story behind Street Fighter?
0: <laughs> yes, believe it or not, there is.
2: Let's see. Okay. Street Fighter Two. You got uh, you got the M Bison. You got the, uh, the Sagat. Now, now for the record, just just to clarify this, okay? We're going by North American terms.
0: The answer is by North American terms because again, there's different name connotations between the Japanese and the North American. So North American releases of Street Fighter. Is what do oh,
1: Okay, that's different. Yeah, because um, well, yeah, never mind. I was gonna say Balrog was M Bison. I think in the Japanese version. Like Balrog and Mbison their names were switched and different.
0: Uh, anyway, it's not relevant. <clears throat> uh, I <laughs> it. I'm not telling you guys anything until like, you answer. Wow. This one, this one's gonna be fun. Uh, <laughs> two, you know, just,
2: two of these names I've never C. even heard of. Um, <laughs> see, I don't know, like. See, I don't know enough to know if four is that. Like, you don't have to answer me, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway. Four kings. Okay. Is this the like final four people? In the game. I played the fifth. I know, but I'm just, that's what I'm thinking through in my own head. Like, I know Bison's at the end, Sagitt's in there. Vega, I think, is near the end on Street Fighter 2. The other two names I don't know, uh, Claw mm-hmm. and Birdie, because all I really know is Street Fighter 2, loosely. Uh, oh, wait. So, uh, I think I want to change. Sir.
0: Oh, no, Pete got a, he got a eureka moment. Don't matter. I'm already <laughs>
2: up 2 0.
0: It's a clinch. <laughs> I'll go with no, it's two, Yeah, it's 2 1. It's two one because you both got the last one right. Oh, that's true. Mm. I'll say A. You're gonna say A, Claw? Yeah, that is, yeah. Oh, that's I also. Yeah. You're gonna say A claw. Okay. Well, guess what, guys? Again, because because of what I said, you're both wrong. Okay. Uh. You both are wrong. Remember, it's which one of these fighters are not one of the four kings of Street Fighter? Okay. Now Claw now here's the thing. The answer is Birdie. Okay, it's D Birdie. Mm. Now Claw is the Japanese term for Vega here in the United States okay Balrog okay was the term was the term used for uh, was it for Vega also in Japan okay oh and finally Vega was actually the Japanese uh, name for uh, M. Bison in uh, in Japan like that so really yep it's Vega Okay. And, and also in Europe it changes too as well, which again they're all mixed up. The reason why is because originally M Bison was supposed to be the name for Balrog here in the States, but because yeah. they didn't want to get sued by Mike Tyson, they switched it around.
2: Which is really funny. Simply but Birdie, Bird, not a lot of standing for a lawsuit there. That's funny.
0: Yeah, well they didn't want they wouldn't want to get it in relation to like Mike Tyson and they didn't want him to sue them. So right. they, it was really weird back yeah. then in the 90s, a lot of great territory. But basically, the answer is D, Birdie, because Birdie is actually a character from Street Fighter Alpha as well as also the original Street Fighter that came out way back when on that arcade crappy machine, that garbage Street Fighter game that nobody
2: wants to remember. Well, and stuff. I'm okay with that. I went 50-50 on the two names that I had never heard of and lost, so... <laughs> so yes. <laughs> so yes, you
0: both fit. Have- no, hey. So now, final question. Oh, there's four this week? Yes, there's four. Yes. I like it. So Pete has the chance to tie this up. David yeah. just has the chance to go total domination. Right, here. Yeah. So final question, which of these statements is true about the Street Fighter series? That means there's one true statement and there's three others that are not true. Okay? So which one is true out of these four statements? Is it A, Ryu and Ken were, were planning to not appear in Street Fighter Third Strike? B, Chun-Li had a romance with Ryu in the Street Fighter Alpha storyline. C, Indestructible was a highly praised theme song for Street Fighter 4. Or D, Ryu is Akuma's son in the storyline of the Street Fighter series. D. going with D? Ryu is Akuma's son? B, I
2: mean, David, what are you saying? I'm saying Street Fighter Third Strike. I don't know what this is. I'm saying uh, Chun Li had a romance in the Street Fighter Alpha storyline. I'm gonna say that storyline can't possibly be right. Uh, let's see, "Indestructible," a highly praised theme song. That's a suspect answer if it is the right one, because what is highly praised again? This again, opinion-based answers. <laughs> and I'm really
0: trying to throw you people off today, boy, with all these questions. Y'all are going crazy.
2: No, I'm not. You can't say highly praised. Like what is the definition of highly praised? This is a highly thing. praised means that it was critically claimed that everybody loved it. Everybody. hundred percent like loved it. it. <laughs> yeah. That
0: it was like a lot of people. A a We've we're going, going from were everybody to in the streets a lot in
2: about two seconds.
0: They were blasting it at Evo.
2: Um uh, my my first reaction was to say that this Ryu is the sun, but uh, That's what Pete said. It is what Pete said, and that would be the game theory answer. So, um, I'll give him a chance to tie it instead and go with B. you know going with
0: B? Chung Li had a romance sure. with Ryu in the Street Fighter Alpha storyline?
2: Because it's not like I actually know the answer to this. Well,
0: guess what, guys? You're both wrong. <laughs> oh, I'm okay dang. with that. <laughs> You're both wrong. I'm going to tell you. The answer is A Ryu and Ken were planned to not appear in Street Fighter Third Strike. Now, oh. I'm going to give you reasons. I'm going to tell you all four them, okay? A, the reason why that was is because originally when Capcom was making Street Fighter III, which is also called Street Fighter Third Strike, they were originally going to make the main character, like the main hero, Alex, of that series. That's why he wears the bandana and he has the whole thing. But because of the fan outcry, you know, for the support for Ryu and Ken, they wanted to have some of those characters from Street Fighter II appear in Third Strike and Street Fighter III. They decided, you know what, let's bring Ryu and Ken into the game afterwards. And then that's what happened. That's how they ended up being in there. Chun-Li had a romance with Ryu and Street Fighter Alpha. That's completely false. I just totally made that up. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's a, indestructible being a highly praised song. And this one's funny because I'm glad it made David's head spin a little bit. It actually, it actually was one of the most hated songs ever in a Street Fighter game. People hated that Still song with a passion. People hated that song with a passion. And then finally, D... D. this was the trick one because this is actually not canon if you guys have ever seen that street fighter alpha movie okay street fighter alpha the 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 animated movie it alludes to ryu being akuma's son but the thing is and it's been confirmed you know by a bunch of different people not only at capcom and other fans and stuff that the movies street fighter two the animated the animated movie and street fighter alpha and alpha generations are not canon to the street fighter storyline found in the games and the mangas and stuff so it was disproven. I know a friend of mine did a video on that recently on YouTube and stuff. And it's actually it's not canon whatsoever. It would be cool, but it's definitely not part of the actual storyline. So there you go. So David takes it two one this week. Street Fighter yeah, champion. Nice. Street Fighter champion getting that getting that perfect that perfect victory. It's a victory lap and such. So with that being said, that's done for our trivia so, so let, let's go down to those final thoughts guys any other final thoughts before we wrap it up David any since you won this week any got any stuff you want to tell the viewer, the listeners
2: uh, no, you can follow me on Twitter at David Quigley and read my reviews and news postings at vgnewswire.net uh, but that's it Cool, cool.
0: So, Pete, any other final thoughts for, for the listeners out there that are just
1: hanging yeah. out? No, just uh, thanks for listening, and you can follow me on Twitter. It's at VG underscore Newswire, and you can check out the website. Like David said, it's uh, VGnewswire.net.
0: Ooh, interesting so again guys follow to all of us on twitter follow me on twitter at venomousfatman1 also send us questions not only you can send us questions through twitter okay at all star pod on twitter but you can also email us at AllStarPod at hotmail.com to send us your question, your comments some feedback anything that you guys want us to talk about on the podcast let us know about that don't forget to rate us on itunes hopefully we get enough ratings out there get those five star ratings so we can get somebody's attention over at itunes and recognize how awesome we are that'd be amazing we could do that, but also share the podcast around with all of your friends, you know, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, share them the actual links to the podcast on iTunes to share it on your iPods. You know, all that types of stuff. But get awareness out about the podcast for us. It would really be appreciated if you guys could actually help us out, uh, get more awareness about uh, about it, get some more support out there. And that way we could do some more awesome stuff and talk about more awesome things for you guys here on the All-Star Podcast. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the IGN All-Star Community Podcast. Again, the number one IGN Community Podcast on the net. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We will talk to all of you again real soon. Peace out and stay epic, everybody. Peace.